Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we, uh, we've been looking at the issue of disappointment when giving up seems to be the only option. And really what we're talking about is disappointment with God. Being disappointed with God about various issues in our life. We looked at one of them already, which is disappointment with the church and wanting to give up because of the church. And we saw what God wants the church to be, and that's what we're striving to be. This next topic that we're going to talk about today is the issue of prayer. A lot of us can get to the place, and we know some people who have, who have gotten to this place, of just wanting to give up because God didn't answer the prayers or a prayer that we gave to him. God did not answer the way we wanted him to. And you can get to the place where you are ready to just give up on it. I believe Ravi Zacharias in his book, has Christianity failed you, says that with some of the most ardent atheists in this world, if you were to talk to them, you could almost trace back their disbelief in God back to an unanswered prayer. It's a thing that affects us. And so we're going to look today, look at a couple of issues. First of all, the deafening silence, because that's what most of us feel when God doesn't answer us. It is deafening, the silence. I mean, there's silence, but we're overwhelmed by how loud the silence is. Then we're going to look at our usual approach to God. We've got to look at how we approach prayer. And then we're going to see what God's Word says as far as the whole issue of prayer. So let's, first of all, let's talk about the deafening silence. Here's the first thing I want you to see. The greatest blow to our faith is unanswered prayer. The greatest blow to our faith is unanswered prayer. You know, a lot of things can come along, and a lot of things can challenge you about what you believe about your God, and a lot of things can, can strike at the heart. You can deal with people who are antagonistic towards your, towards your belief in God, but the reality is, is people can't really shake your faith when it comes to what you believe in God. If you notice that, it's not really what people say or do that shakes your faith. It's, but there is one thing that will shake your faith. There is one thing that is a blow to your faith a lot of times, and that is when you are earnestly pleading with God, asking Him to do something, and He doesn't answer. And the thing that you wanted to see happen doesn't happen. And what you don't want to happen, happens. There is nothing that will shake your faith more than when you get disappointed with God because he didn't answer the prayer the way you thought he should. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you can relate to what I'm talking about here? A lot of us can relate to that. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we can all get to that. Folks, I have been there. I have labored in prayer over an issue and been shaken. Folks, that'll shake you. It'll shake what you believe. The greatest blow to our faith is unanswered prayer. And so here's what it does. Here's the second thing. It causes us to question the validity of God. When God answers prayer the way that we want him to answer it, especially when we 
are so earnest about it and we are so trusting in him to do something about it and we and it's not like he doesn't know it's an issue with us you know what i'm saying it's not like i mean we're talking about the things that really move us to where we're praying to god to do something about it and if he doesn't answer here's what happens folks it causes us to question god are you even there god do you care god do you love me I mean, if it's something I've done, God, why didn't you tell me? I would have stopped. Those are real emotions, real feelings that we have. And it's a deafening silence, isn't it? You feel alone. It shakes the core of you. And, and usually what happens is, is that we, 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 we get through it. God brings us through it. But for a lot of us, we get to the place where we're ready to just throw in the towel. I'm done. And some will walk away from the doors of a church, from the doors of an assembly of believers. They'll walk away from God, never to come back. And some, they've walked away in their heart. They sit in the pews. They're empty shells. They're disappointed, but they'll never... I mean, they're here because they know they got to be here. Because that's what they need to do. They need to be a stiff upper lip. But they've given up. They're disappointed. This is a difficult topic for me to talk about because, you know, I've been there and it's like, okay, George, well, how do you answer that? How do you re-strengthen us again? How do you help us to, to deal and put this disappointment back into perspective? And so that, that's my task for you today. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not going to do a good job with that because my job isn't to satisfy the hurts of your souls, the longings of your souls, as far as God, with reference to whatever it is that you prayed about that he didn't answer. But my task this morning is to help you to think it through. So the next two sections are really going to be to help you to think it through. So what I'm going to do first is I want to tell you what our usual approach to prayer is and maybe kind of point out to you that the way that we approach prayer is not necessarily a right way which sets us up for the disappointment. And then I'm going to take you to the scripture, to Luke. We're going to look at three verses, verses 5, actually four verses, 5, 6, 7, and 8. And we're going to see what Jesus says about who we pray to. Because the reality is, is that a lot of times when we're in the emotion of what's going on around us, we think with our emotions and with our disappointment, and it hurts us. So let's, first of all, let's talk about our approach. Here's, here's usually what I want you to see. Number one, our usual approach to prayer is this. We have determined the answer. Usually when we pray, I don't know about you, but this is how I am, and especially if I'm facing a crisis situation, especially maybe if it's a loved one who's going through a situation that's hurt, we, we have already determined what the answer needs to be to whatever the problem. If it's a health issue, we've already determined, God, you've got to heal them. If it's a financial problem that is devastating, God, you've got to provide the money for that. If it's a relationship that is broken, God, you've got to bring healing to that marriage. God, you've got to bring healing to that parent-child relationship. God, you have to do this. We, we've already determined what the answer is, haven't we? And so when we go to God in prayer, we're going to the creator of the universe and it's and basically we're not saying this in words because we would never say it this way, but the reality is is what we're saying to him is, Lord, this is what needs to happen, P. 
period. I've already decided that. I've already determined that. I mean, we wouldn't say it that way. But God, you have to do it this way. This is the answer that needs to happen. Because in our minds, we can't see the other answer. We can't see the other option. It's not an option to us. Am I, am I not right in saying that? I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, when we go to prayer, and especially when we're facing those, those heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching things that are affecting us in our families, we already know what the answer needs to be. And we want him to agree with us, and we want him to do something about it. That's our approach. Here's the other thing. We misapply biblical principles. We misapply biblical principles. We'll, we'll look at the Word of God and say, well, didn't he say whatever I ask in his name, he will give me? Well, Lord, I prayed every prayer in Jesus' name. And it didn't happen. Ask what you want, you said, Lord. I'm asking you. Folks, the problem isn't the promise. The problem is how we view the promise. Here's the thing. We've, we've so gotten to the point 2,000 years later that we feel that, I, I remember Lori and I were working with a youth group one time, and I prayed at the end, and I just simply said, Amen. And this 17-year-old girl comes up to me and rebukes me and says to me, God's not going to hear your prayer. Really? Why? You didn't say in Jesus' name. Uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. That is not what he's talking about when I pray in his name. That's what we've made it into. It's not a magical incantation that unless I say in Jesus' name, he hears me, but that I pray in his name. Name is a whole lot more than what we make it today. When I talk about a person's name in the Bible, I'm talking about who he is, his character, the essence of who he is. And so what Jesus is saying there, whatsoever you ask in my name, I'm asking as a reflection of who he is. What he's talking about here is when I pray in his name, praying in with relationship to his character. What I'm asking is for is, is in relationship to who he is. And a lot of times we will misapply scriptures, we'll misapply biblical principles so that when he doesn't answer, we get frustrated. Here's another reason. It's not listed down for you there. You can write it down if you want to. But it's going to be a point that will help us as we get into God's word here. Our usual approach to prayer is because of this. We have a misunderstanding of who God is. We have a misunderstanding of who God is. And for most of us, I'm going to be flat out honest with you, this is true in the North American church. This is true with us. This is true with me sometimes. I just think God's there to give me what I want. That if he really loved me, he would give me what I want. That's my misunderstanding of him. And when he doesn't give me what I want, even if it's the healing of a loved one, even if it's the, the healing of a relationship, even if it's the reconciliation of some sort of situation, or if it's working out a finance, if he doesn't give me what I want, then he must not love me. The whole problem is, is I've approached prayer from a wrong standpoint because I have a misunderstanding of who he is. 
See, we can all relate to this. Let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. How many parents we have here who have, I'm not talking about your kids, or well, even if they are grown. How many parents? We've got a lot of parents here. Raise your hand if you're a parent. How many of you as parents have your children come and ask you for things and you tell them no? How many of them get upset because you said no? How many of you, you said no because you love them and you know that if you said yes, it was actually going to be a problem for them? See, we understand it as parents, don't we? It's not a reflection that the parents don't love them. It's actually out of love that they say what? No. But when it comes to God not answering our prayers, we have a misunderstanding of who God is. So let's, let's gain a, a, a proper understanding. We're in, in Luke chapter 11. I want you to read with me just these few verses. Verse 5, he, he gives a story. In the preceding verses, the disciples ask him to teach them to pray. And so in verses 2 to 4, you see the Lord's Prayer there. Then we come to verse 5, and I want you to notice, right after he tells them how to pray, he gives them this interesting little story And I think it's important because he wants, I think, to show you the character of God. And so I've entitled this section, Interruptions. Look at what he says, verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on this journey, and I have nothing to set before him. He will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed and I cannot rise and give to you. I shall say to you that though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. What's going on here? What we see here is Jesus is saying, look, when you pray, he tells them how to pray. And then he says, I want you to talk about your approach. I want you to understand how you can approach God. And he gives this story about a friend who goes, and it has to be a friend, at midnight to another friend and says, whoa, I had this guy show up. I've got nothing to set before him. Now, we don't understand that in our culture because we would say, you know, McDonald's is 24 hours. Just head down there. We're not into hospitality, but in their culture, which is true for a lot of the cultures still yet in the world, it is your cultural requirement to feed your guests and to care for them. And if you can't, it is a reflection of shame upon public shame upon your family in that community if you can't do that. So this is what Jesus is talking about. So here's this guy. He goes over to his friend because you wouldn't do this with a stranger. And you're pounding on the door at midnight saying, Hey, open up, I need your help. And the guy gets up from his bed. You know how it is when somebody wakes you up at midnight or two in the morning with a phone call. Huh? Hey, I got this company in. I need three loaves of bread right now to set food before him or I'm in trouble. And the guy says, Look, I'm in bed. My children are in bed. I've closed everything up. Get out of here. Isn't that how a friend would talk to a friend? Yeah, that's how a friend would talk to a friend. Here's what Jesus says. Because he's persistent, he keeps banging on the door, because you only would do this with a friend. He keeps banging on the door. Otherwise, you get shot, right? You keep banging on the door, and finally he gives him whatever he wants. Now, here's what I want you to see here. Here's what he's saying about these interruptions. Here's what he's showing us about God. 
Number one, we need to be reminded of God's character. We need to be reminded of God's character. Some of us need to understand that when we pray, especially when we don't sense that he's answering our prayers, we need to remember about God's character. God is like the friend that you can go and interrupt in the middle of the night. He cares for you. In fact, he's more than, I mean, he knows something. This friend is real. Look, I'm in bed. My kids are in bed. Get out of here. God's not like that. He's, he's willing to listen to you. He's, he's, he's there. He knows. He loves you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. You need to be reminded about that. And let's, let's remind ourselves, instead of us thinking that God's on this cosmic control board thing and, oh, there's so-and-so. Oh, they got a terrible thing happening in their life. Huh, I'm not going to answer that today. No, he doesn't do that. God is perfect love. He cannot sin. He does no evil, James says. And he will always, in his actions towards you, express, you need to rewrite this down, he will always express perfect love towards you in his actions. He will always express perfect love towards you in his actions. Do you understand that? Now, some of us right now, we can't wrap our brain around that. But why? Because we've already determined what the answer needs to be to our prayers. God, I needed that promotion. God, I needed that job. How do I, how do I, how come you're not doing what I think needs to be best? But you know, here's the point I want you to see. Jesus says, look, this is how you pray, verses 1 to 4. And then he wants them to understand the character of God. Look, folks, you've got to remember something. Even when he doesn't answer you the way you want him to answer you. And believe me, you'll be in places like this. It's coming. You'll be in it many times. Where your faith will be shaken. You'll be like, why didn't you answer that? You've got to remind yourself. You've got to remind yourself, God, you love me. You care for me. I'm your child. You will always express to me perfect love, even when I don't think it's the way you think it should be. Always. This is the first thing we see there. Here's the other thing. Intimate relationships allow for interruptions. Intimate relationships allow for interruptions. I mean, the reason why I know this is a friend because Jesus says it's a friend. Because you sure wouldn't do this with a stranger. I mean, if you're facing a situation at home, do you go next door to your neighbor that you never talked to and bang on his door and ask for help? No. You'd call your friend, even if he does live halfway across town, because you know he'll answer you. Why? Because he's your what? Your friend and you have a relationship with him. You're not going to talk to somebody you don't have a relationship with. See, my friends, this is the same way with God. If you have an intimate relationship with him, you can interrupt him. Yeah, he's got the mess in Syria to work or worry about. Yeah, he's dealing with the Iran and Israel thing. But he's still concerned about you. And he may not answer the way you want him to answer, but you can interrupt him anytime. Here's a thought for you. I once read this, and I thought it was pretty good. I think it was Henry Blackaby who said this. It is better to go through a crisis after having had an intimate relationship with God than to go through the crisis and to begin then to have an intimate relationship with God. Do you see the difference? 
it's better to already have an intimate relationship with God so that when you face the crisis, you are better able to handle it than never have a relationship with God than all of a sudden meet a crisis and then decide, oh, I better get this Jesus thing right. I better start focusing on him. Because I'll be honest with you, at that point, because you don't know him, you're always going to be disappointed because he's not necessarily going to answer the way you want him to answer. See, the key thing is your intimate relationship with him right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? The key thing is your intimate relationship with him right now. Intimate relationships allow for interruptions. Here's the other thing he wants us to see. The issue is persistence. Jesus says that his friend will answer him, not because he's a friend, but because his friend keeps what? Pounding on the door. I'm not leaving till you give me what I need. I know you're tired. And what's the guy inside going to (laughs) do? Give him what he wants. Get him out of here. I'm going to bed. How many of you have been there? I'm sick of him. I mean, yeah, he's a friend, but, man, to get him off my back, whatever you want, buddy. Here, I'll give you 20 bucks extra. Just don't bother me for two weeks. It's the issue of persistence. We say, well, George, I have been persistent. And he still didn't answer me. Let me explain something to you about prayer. Prayer is not a religious ritual. Prayer is simply talking to God. Some of us view it as a religious ritual. If we view it as a religious ritual, you're always going to be disappointed. If you view it as simply talking to God, there have been many times where I've sat down with my parents and tried to explain to them to the best of my ability and my brain power as a 16-year-old what they should do in a situation, only to have them turn around and tell me no. And then me, in the superiority of my immatureness, get upset with them because they just don't see it. But the reality is, is they saw far better than I did. That's why they said no. Boy, am I glad now that they said no. But see, you've got to understand something. The issue is, is that it's talking to them. You've got to talk to him. And here's what I've noticed when I pray to God. Have you ever noticed this, especially when like, the crisis is a person that I'm angry with and I want God to zap him? How many of you pray zap him prayers? You don't need to admit it, but you do. You pray zap him prayers. God, get him out of my workplace. I don't care what you do. Promote him, demote him, get him out of there. Here's what happens when you really pray and you talk to God about it. Here's what I've noticed in my life that a lot of times he doesn't answer me, but what he does is he changes me. See, the more time I spend with him talking about it, the more I begin to understand his way of thinking. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so some of you here, can I be honest with you? When he didn't answer you, you just gave up. You quit talking. See, the issue is persistence, being persistent to continue to pray. Now, here's the other thing he wants you to see. God will hear you. God will hear. A no does not mean that he doesn't hear or care. Do you understand me? A no does not mean that he doesn't hear or care. We think it does. That's why we get disappointed. But the reality is is that he's got our best interest in his heart. Remember I told you he's perfect love. So when he says to us, no, 
It's not that he's not listening to us. In fact, he has listened to us. He knows far better than us. He will hear you. Here's what spiritual maturity is. Spiritual maturity is coming to the place that even in the no's, you trust him. You hear what I said? Spiritual maturity is coming to the place that even when he answers no, you trust him. You trust him. Lord, I trust you that you know better. I, I can't, I'm, I mean, it's not saying that you can be happy with it. It's okay to be unhappy with it. You think God's not real? You know, you think he's going to be, oh, well, okay, I'm happy with your no. No, I can be mad about his no. Weren't you mad when your parents said no to you? Be real. Yeah, you were. You know, when the boss says no. I mean, that's just a normal human emotion, right? Right? God will hear. You say, okay, George, how do we wrap this up? Well, here's the thought for you. Number one, are you struggling with unanswered prayer? Are you struggling with unanswered prayer? Did God not answer you the way that you thought he should? Is he not answering you right now? I mean, you have already determined the answer in your mind and in your heart. Are you struggling right now? Are you, are you at that point of wanting to give up? Well, here's the second thing I want you to think about. Here's what I want you to think about. How have you approached your prayers? Because I'm going to be honest with you, if we, is it simply because you've forgotten the character of God? Is it because you've misapplied some biblical principle? Is it because you have already determined the answer, what it should be, and you're not open to any other possibility? Have you approached your prayers? Do you have a misunderstanding of who God is? A lot of times when we go through the disappointment, a lot of times the disappointment has to do more with those than it does to do with the answer. It has to do with what we believe about our God. So here's what we need to do. Here's where you and I need to be at as we, we wrestle with and deal with this issue. Number one, we need to recognize, recognize God's love for you and pray. Keep praying. You need to recognize his love for you. He cares for you. He loves you. He died for you. He weeps for you. And pray. How do I know he cares for you? You know, one of the most interesting verses in the Bible, is actually a lot of folks know it trivially as the shortest verse in the Bible, is in John chapter 11 where it says, And Jesus wept. You know what's so amazing about that verse, if you think about it, is he comes to the grave of Lazarus, he already knows he's going to raise Lazarus. Everybody understand that? When you read the passage, he's already said beforehand, even before he came to Bethany, that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead so that God might be glorified. This had to happen, he said earlier, that God might be glorified. So he knows he's there to the grave. Where have you laid him? He comes to the grave and he weeps. Now, why is he weeping? Because he already knows there's going to be victory there. Why is he weeping? I'll tell you exactly why he's weeping. Jesus is identifying with us. And even though he knew he was going to raise him from the dead, he was identifying with the pain and the loss of Lazarus. He was identifying with the grief and the loss of the two sisters, Mary and Martha. He was identifying with us. See, folks, here's the thing. God's not abstract. God doesn't care. Do you think he doesn't care about what you're praying about or because you're praying for a loved one? He weeps with you. He loves you. 
You just need to get that perspective back in mind. Recognize his love for you and pray. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.